Um, we're going to look today at a passage that often is either ignored or softened and watered down and toned down because people look at this passage and say, I really don't know what to do with this, but we're going to look at it square on. I think it's a really interesting passage. I quote Pastor James McDonald. Uh, just a couple thoughts before we jump in. He uh, is at Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. You might have heard of him. Radio show, TV show called Walk in the Word. Good stuff. Highly recommend James McDonald. Anyway, here's what he says. Put it up there, Daniel, for us. Forgiveness of sin is just the beginning of life in Christ. Forgiveness of sin, that's just the starting point. But the problem is so many people stay there at the starting line and never move on. Okay. Thank you, Lord. I got my uh, ticket to heaven. I got my uh, fire insurance, and that's good, and I'm grateful. Thanks for washing and cleansing my sin. Now I can pretty much just go and live however I want, right? I can do whatever I live how I please. I can watch the same profanity-laced, naked-sexed movie as the unchurched. I can listen to the same awful music that the nuns listen to. Uh, we divorce at similar rates as agnostics. We file bankruptcy at the same frequency as atheists and agnostics. I'm just telling you, this is where a lot of us are at. I got my fire insurance. I got my ticket to heaven. I, I, I've been forgiven. But you need to write down this next line from uh, James McDonald. Here's what it says. Jesus didn't die on the cross and rise from the dead simply to forgive you. That's part of it. That's the beginning. He rose to live his life through you. I hope that connects with you. In other words, yes, you're forgiven, but now he can have a relationship with you. And Galatians 2 and verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, therefore Jeff no longer lives. The idea is now Jesus Christ lives in me, in you. That's what Christianity is all about. Yes, you need to be forgiven, but then Jesus takes up residence and you plug into him and you walk with him, and that's what the Christian life is all about. Make sense? Plugged into Jesus, he's alive, and he's working in me. Now, some of you, I don't think you believe in that, so I need you to help me out. Jesus is alive, okay? And where is he working? He's working where? In me. Now suddenly, if Jesus is here, alive, sitting on the throne, working in your life, now suddenly he's the hope of glory. I don't just ignore that. I don't just live any way I feel like living. No, because Jesus is in me. Huge. Here's what you need to know, though. When we refuse to allow Jesus to live daily through us, he doesn't just sit up there and shake his head and say, oh, too bad, too bad, I had some really good... I, I just want you to understand, when we choose to allow the crud and filth of this world to smudge and crud up our daily lives, are you ready? Look what it says, Jesus will take action. Jesus is even willing to take a whip to our lives to drive out the garbage and the manure that we've been ignoring. That's the focus today. 
You mean he really takes action that drastic? You better believe it. That's how much he loves you. He's not willing just to, to say it, sit up there and watch us just mess up what he's done. This marvelous work of transformation he's done in our lives. Uh, he will take action when we ignore him and just allow our lives to get all filthy and awful on the inside and the out. Locate with me on your phone, in your Bible, Gospel of John, chapter 2. And we're going to see Jesus come unglued. <laughs> really, he does. I, and he does that, we know, without sin. So he's able to get angry and come unglued and make a scene with a whip without sin. And this is very early in his three years of public ministry. So if you're able, would you stand with me? We're going to read starting in chapter 2, verse 13. We'll read down to verse 22. This is God's word, and this is Jesus Christ in the flesh, fully God, fully man, letting it rip. Here we go. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove out all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold dubs, he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you uh, for uh, inspiring John to write down exactly what you wanted recorded for us. And, uh, Lord, this is an interesting passage, and I'm praying, Lord, that your word today would be quick and powerful and alive. And uh, I know it always is, but, Lord, it's good for us to remind ourselves what your word is able to accomplish. So would you come and do all those things today? And now as we dig into uh, your son going nuts in the temple, would you show us how that relates to us in 2018? We welcome the power of your spirit and the power of your word to come and be welcome today in your church, because this is your church, Lord, the church of your son, Jesus Christ. Come and speak and nudge and teach and convict and move us out of complacency. Move us out of lukewarmness, Lord. Would you come and meet us right now? Help us to tune in and hear clearly your still, small voice. 
And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, you can be seated. Jesus is not just upset mildly. I want you to understand, and that's where the softening and toning down. A lot of folks don't know what to do with this. He's genuinely angry and torqued as he enters into the temple. Okay? He, he's looking down at the temple. This is the only place on planet Earth, Old Testament, where God's Shekinah glory resides. Tracking? Uh, this was the place Jehovah had promised his chosen people, I will live amongst my chosen people, and this was that spot. It was the temple where he said, I'm going to live in your midst. And now Jesus is looking at the temple, and it's become a religious circus. <laughs> Literally, the glory of God was drowned out. He, he looked at, and you need to understand, Jewish historian Josephus says, at this time, two million plus people had come to Jerusalem. Can you imagine? Two million. And I'm just telling you, it's a small area there in Jerusalem. Huckstering, bartering, haggling, extorting. They, they knew they had you, and you couldn't do anything about it. I thought about what, what picture, and, and if you've seen pictures of what goes on at the stock market on Wall Street, how many of you, you've seen that picture and they're yelling and they're screaming and they're knocking into each other and, and it's just crazy and wild. That's a little bit of what was going on because you got two million plus people in there and they're crying out and Jesus sees the massive crowds and they're trying to buy approved animals and uh, they were at, marked up at obscene prices Tens of thousands of transactions are taking place. And now, Jesus looks at this scene, and what does he do in response to the chaos? Very interesting, very unexpected. Verse 15, Jesus made a whip out of cords. I, I, I just think that's really interesting. So he didn't just go charging in. Jesus took the time to uh, hand fashion a whip. Now, I doubt it was elaborate as this. Thank you, Sam and Linda Kosh, for uh, bringing this in. Um, I've already whipped myself once practicing. <laughs> I remember at, at the hardware store as a kid, they had this in the toy section. I don't think they do that anymore, but I used to have one of these babies, and, and we'd try to whip pencils and things out of each other. It was good. Lots of welts. Uh, I, I suspect that's not allowed anymore. Anyway, Jesus sits down. Here's the key. The second person of the Trinity, looking at this religious circus, sits down, finds strips of leather, and fashions a whip out of cords of leather. It's just like, really? <laughs> I don't know about you. Get that picture there in your head. That's not how I picture Jesus in my mind. Anybody else? When you think of Jesus, do you, do you picture him with the whip in his hand? 
uh, taking it to the, the folks who are buying and selling there in the temple. Instead, this is how I usually picture Jesus there. He's holding a child in his hands or holding a little lamby in his hands, okay? Meek and mild and the gentle one, the kind and the patient Lamb of God. Instead, get this picture, okay? He's got the whip. He's driving out the buyers and sellers, and this is the very beginning of his earthly ministry. He's just picked his disciples, John chapter 1. We looked at that last Sunday, and now he's just beginning his three years on earth, and one of the first things that Jesus does publicly, get that picture, charges into the temple area, yielding a whip that he had hand-fashioned by his very hand. So this wasn't just a rash thing. This was something he thought and planned, and he said, this is something I'm going to begin my earthly ministry with. Look at verse 15. Here we go. Uh, Jesus took that whip and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Verse 16, to those who sold doves, Jesus said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. (laughs) Matthew, Mark, Luke, he says, den of thieves. But that will be at the end of his ministry. Okay? So he's just saying, enough. (laughs) And, And I just gave it away at the end of three years of ministry. This is how he begins his earthly ministry. As he ends his earthly ministry, it would have been Monday after Palm Sunday. Friday, he's going to be on the cross. Sunday, he's going to rise from the dead. Very last week of his life, Jesus concludes his ministry just before the cross and the empty tomb by once again doing this very same thing. Clearing and cleansing the temple in Jerusalem. Again, he makes a big scene, flips over temple, uh, temple tables and, and driving people out of the market. Uh, again, I just want you to understand, Jesus begins his public ministry by clearing and cleansing the temple. And Jesus concludes his earthly ministry by clearing and cleansing the temple. I I think it's a strong message. I think he's saying loudly to the Jews and their leaders, get this temple clean. Get this temple clean and keep this temple cleansed. Okay, Get this temple clean and keep this temple cleansed. Now, give me your eyes. Would it surprise you if I told you that Jesus still has that same message for us today in the church at Walloon? Would it surprise you? I think he still gets indignant. I think he still gets torqued today. That's a part of who Jesus is. We like the lamby part of Jesus, but we're not so sure whether we like this, this lion that's a lamb because he's strong, and I believe he still is shouting with anger and indignation, followers of Jesus at Walloon Lake Church, get your temple clean and keep your temple 
cleansed. I know, I know you think you could just do whatever you want, watch whatever you want, listen, because you're forgiven. And he's saying, excuse me, but that's not what it's about to be a follower of Jesus. Now, some of you are a little confused right now, and you're thinking, well, I've never been to Israel, never been to Jerusalem, uh, and if I did go, I wouldn't buy or sell any animals. So I, I really don't know how this applies to me because I've never been there. I've never exchanged any money. So what are you talking about? Locate on your phone or in your Bibles 1 Corinthians 3, verses 16 and 17. This is, this is what I'm talking about. It says, Paul writing, church at Corinth, don't you know that you're, you yourselves are God's temple? Just pause right there. Don't you know, church at Corinth, don't you know, church at Walloon, that you yourselves today are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? God's glory resides in you if you're a follower of Jesus. Then he continues. If anyone destroys God's temple, allows it to get cruddy and messy. I think he's talking about what we're talking about. God's going to destroy that prayer. He's going to take the whip to you. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. The temple of God today is not confined to a fancy building, massive fancy building in the city of Jerusalem. Okay, You're taking notes. Here's what you need to know. Since the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 the presence of God resides in the lives of all who've believed and received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Everybody who has said yes by faith, Jesus, I believe you took my place on the cross. Jesus, I believe you shed your blood for my sin problem. Jesus, I believe you took my place in the tomb. And Jesus, I believe early Sunday morning you literally, bodily, physically arose from the dead for me. I believe I receive. That's the two verbs, 1 Corinthians 15. And by faith, we receive him. As soon as you believe and receive, you now have the Holy Spirit take up residence in your life. Moment of salvation, the third person of the Trinity, Jesus in spirit form, takes up residence. So now everywhere you go, look at me, we are mobile temples. The temple could only stay in what you had to go to Jerusalem to the temple. But today, 2018, we are mobile temples of the living God. And everywhere we go, we represent Jesus Christ with our words, with our actions, with our behavior, with how we speak, with how we live, with our motives, our attitudes, our behavior. Sometimes, sometimes we represent the Savior in a wonderful, honoring, glorious way. Just listen, and that's not like on your best day. That's like every day where you're connected and plugged into Jesus. You're representing Jesus well. It's not that you do all these great and amazing things. It's that you're plugged into Jesus Christ, and now he's transforming your life. And that's where glorious and shining bright things come from. Does that make sense? It's not just, well, I, I had these glorious moments like 12 times in my... No, it's glorious because you're plugged into the hope of glory and now he's transforming you 
by his presence and his power. Sadly, sometimes we're representing King Jesus in a way that brings dishonor and shame to Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, and we've just allowed the crud and, and, and the awful garbage to collect in our lives. I'm telling you again, it's easy to think, but I, I'm saved. I, I'm, I'm okay. I got my fire insurance. I got my ticket to heaven. Uh, I know my temple is filthy. I, I know my, my life smells like dirty, rotten, putrid garbage, but I'm going to heaven. I just want you to understand that the Lord says, excuse me, but I'm not just going to sit back and let that take place in your life. Uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Apostle Paul uh, was driving this point home to the church at Corinth. Don't you know that your bodies, our bodies, are the temples of the Holy Spirit? Who's in you? Whom you've received from God. You are not your own. Maybe you need to say that. I am not my own. Say it. I am not my own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Why? Because it's a mobile temple. And you're either representing Jesus well everywhere you go, or you're making him look really bad everywhere you go. Jesus cares deeply about our human temples. Why? Are you ready? He purchased us. He purchased us out of slavery at a steep cost. The price that Jesus paid was priceless, okay? That should be the commercial. The, the, the price that Jesus paid to redeem us out of slavery to sin and death was his death. He offered his sinless body. He shed his blood, and he arose from the... That's the price that Jesus paid to purchase us out of slavery to sin and Satan and death. So, track with me now. When we forget, go back to the quote we began with today, that forgiveness of sin, that's just the beginning of the Christian life. That's just the starting line. Good. Now you belong to the Lord. Now you've been cleansed. And now you can have relationship. That's just the beginning. The problem is, far too many of us, we just stand at the starting line. Hey, hey. I'm in the race. And where are you going? I'm going nowhere. But I'm in the race. <laughs> uh, and I just want you to understand, when we don't progress and grow, we forget this next point. Jesus didn't die on the cross and rise from the dead to simply forgive you. He rose to live his life through you. That, that's, that's the Christian life. It's not just being forgiven. It's being transformed. It's allowing Jesus to live through me on a daily basis. And I'm just telling you, far too many, I might even say a majority of us, we're just, we're just hanging at the starting line. This is good. I'm in the race. I belong. I've got my ticket to heaven. I've got my fire insurance. And the Lord's saying, no, no, that's not why I forgave you. Get in the race. I've, I want to work through you, transform you, live victoriously in your life. Now, when Jesus looked at the temple of his father, let's go back here, John 2, and he saw the religious circus 
and the glory of God the Father was drowned out by the chaos and the sin, don't forget, what did Jesus sit down in fashion? Hey, John, let's see if we can get you. Okay? <laughs> Good seat there, John. Good going. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, he's going to take a picture. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I did. <laughs> Chad, is the insurance paid up well? You know, <laughs> how are we doing on that? Jesus took a whip to the inhabitants of the temple. That's strong, decisive action. Don't agree? Yeah, I mean, he's like, I can't allow this to continue. <laughs> and I'm convinced that Jesus still cares about the temple today, that would be our temples. That would be our bodies. That would be our daily lives. And he's watching, look at me, he's watching to see if our lives are bringing honor and glory and praise to the Father or whether our lives are so filled with crud and filth and manure that we're bringing dishonor to the owner. Who's the owner? Jesus Christ, he's the one who paid the price, purchased us out of slavery to sin. So are we, are we making the owner look really good with our lives or are we bringing dishonor and making Jesus look really bad with our behavior? He cares about our mobile temple so much. Look at me, because some of you are thinking, well, he wouldn't still take a whip to us, would he? Would he, John? He really wouldn't take a whip to us today, would he? Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews 12, located on your phones. Let's see, let's see um, what kind of action he takes today. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, um, we'll start with verse 5. And I just want to show you uh, the whip is still in play. Okay? The whip is still in play. Verse 5, my son, my daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines, I would say we can get specific, he, he whips, he chastens, he spanks the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son, as his daughter, endure hardship as discipline, God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Let's dig in just for a couple moments, okay? Two extremes when you're being disciplined by the Lord. First extreme, um, ignore it. <laughs> uh, when, when the Lord's got his whip out on you, some of us, our reaction is to make light of it. I'm fine. It's no big deal. I, I'm, I'm going to be okay. I'm a big boy. I'm a big girl. That's living in denial. Some of us, we, we, we're enduring God's discipline and we ignore it. We pretend it's not there. My life is in shambles. How you doing today? I'm doing great. <laughs> You're not doing great. You're living in denial. Second is like the other common response, the writer of Hebrews says, verse 5, last part, the other response is to lose heart. 
you're getting whooped, you're getting disciplined, and now you throw yourself this giant grand pity party. It's not fun, and and, and I don't like it because clearly the Lord's working. He's trying to get rid of the crud and the filth of mine, and I don't like it, and I'm mad at God. And we're panicked at the sight of God's discipline in our lives. So, let's just answer real quickly. Why does the Lord discipline his children? Let me give you four, four reasons right here in Hebrews 12 at lists, okay? So, what does the book say? Why does God whip his children? Yeah, is it that strong? Yeah, it is. It is. Actually, some of us, we'd rather have a whip than some of the actual ways that he's, he's working. First, why does God discipline? Because the Lord loves us, is what it says, verse 6. He loves us so much that he refuses to pretend and ignore our, our sin, our behavior, as though it's not a big deal. He's saying, no, I love you so much, it is a big deal, and I'm willing to take corrective action. First reason. Second reason why the Lord disciplines his children, last part of verse 6, it says, because it proves that we are his blood-bought children. If you've wandered and you strayed and, and you're just staying at the starting line and you realize the Lord's working and he's bringing situations that are disciplined, it does show that you belong to him. He bought you. If you're far from Jesus and you're doing great, that's not a good sign, is what Hebrews 12 says, okay? Uh, third reason, why does the Lord take his whip to his children? Verse 10, slide down. Uh, he disciplines us for our, what does it say? Good. Makes us holy. In other words, he disciplines us so that we'll learn to keep our temples clean. Make sense? He's disciplining so that we'll pay attention to our temples and we'll learn to keep our temples holy, to keep them cleansed. Final reason why God takes a whip to his children. Verse 11 says that he disciplines us so we will produce in our lives a harvest of good fruit. In other words, when you're just standing at the starting line, I'm forgiven, and we haven't learned to plug into and be filled with Jesus and his spirit, there's no fruit. He disciplines us to get us going in the race, and as we walk with Christ, keep our temples cleansed, harvest of good fruit is available to us as we walk in connection to Christ. So I, I close with this question this morning. Is it possible... Is it possible that you're one of those that you mostly stay at the starting line and you're saying, I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven, I belong to Jesus, got my ticket to heaven, got my fire insurance paid off. Isn't that great? And we've never started moving our mobile temples to walk with Christ. Is it possible that the Lord is trying to get your attention today? Maybe some things that are going on in your life, maybe you've been blaming and excusing and it's, that's why this is happening and it's this person and, and it's this organization that's done this to me. And I just remind you, who is the God who's on the throne and he's working all things together 
Who's the one who's in charge? And he's working, and he's never failed you once, but he loves you enough (laughs) that he's willing to discipline us. Second question, how clean has your temple been recently? Is that something you pay attention to? See, a lot of us, we, we just, we're busy. I'm moving, I'm, and, and we don't pay attention to how we're talking. We don't pay attention to what we're looking at. We're not paying attention to what we're listening to. We're not paying attention to how we treat the people around us. How clean has your temple been recently? Would you be willing to allow Jesus to come even right now and inspect your temple. Did you know he'd do that for you? No charge. Okay? He'll come, and, and if you'd invite him, Lord, come and inspect my temple. And Lord, if there's places that need cleaned up, would you show me? If there's things I'm involved with, things that I'm, I'm participating in, listening, watching, uh, behaviors, attitudes, motives that need adjusting. Lord, would you show me? Come do a little inspection. I'd like you just to bow your heads. And we're going to invite uh, the one with the whip, Jesus the Christ, through his spirit and his word, to do a little inspection. Lord, would you speak? We're listening. We're ready to hear from you. If the Lord cares that much about his mobile temples that his son purchased at a priceless cost, Lord, help us to care that much about our bodies, our temples. Realizing these bodies, they don't belong to us. You purchased them. When you redeemed us out of slavery to sin, you paid the price, made a relationship with you possible. Now we belong to your son, Jesus. Lord, help us not just to to wait for a Sunday here and there to inspect and allow you to show us, but Lord, help us to get real regular at inspecting our temples. Lord, would you help us to notice when the crud and the filth begins to pile up and we're ignoring and rationalizing and blaming. So here's my question. Is it possible the Lord's been trying to get your attention? 
Maybe there's things going on in your life that you've been assigning to this person or that organization or this situation. And and maybe it's just the Lord saying, it's time to get your temple clean. (laughs) It's time to get serious and keep it cleansed. truth is he loves you enough to take his whip out on you yep that is love he loves us so much he doesn't just want us standing at the starting line he wants us redeemed cleansed forgiven to move out and start walking daily with him anyone say with a lifted hand Lord I think uh I think you're talking to me today. I think you've been taking a whip to my life, and and I think today it's pretty clear, and I get it, and that still small voice of yours is talking to me. You're pointing stuff out in my life. Anybody say, Lord, you're talking to me? Yeah. Others, yeah. Anybody else? Everybody else? My temple is so clean and cleansed, and I'm passionate daily about connecting with Christ anyone else no that's really not me <laughs> it, it's it's not been good anyone else say you're talking to me Jesus I see I see what you're saying you're, you're pointing stuff out I need to start daily inspecting get serious anyone else anybody in the balcony yeah here's uh When you're ready, Jesus, you're pointing out sin. I've been ignoring it or excusing it or blaming someone else for it. Enough of that. Right now, I'm going to join you and take a whip to that sin that you're making clear. Because we grab that whip with him and we drive that sin out of our lives. Now, take a whip to it. And all week long, as soon as sin crops up, Thought, word, deed. Lord, I'm going to take a whip to it. What that means is I'm not just going to lay there and blame and and just kind of lounge in the mud and the manure. I'm going to get up and I'm going to run to the cross. That's called repentance. I'm going to do the U-turn and I'm going to run to the cross. Now listen here. If you're a follower of Jesus, your account was marked paid in full by the shed blood of the Lamb moment you said yes Jesus I believe I receive be my savior and lord at that moment you're but now you draw on that account marked paid in full write the check of confession right now and if the lord's made something clear words you said you shouldn't have said thoughts that you've thought attitudes that you've carried around that that were wrong and he calls sin Jesus, I call it sin too. I'm writing that check of confession. I call it the same thing. Things I was looking at, I shouldn't have been looking at. Maybe stuff I was listening to, I shouldn't have been listening to. Went places I had no place or business going to. Lord, I'm writing the check of confession. Wash, cleanse, purify. I call it sin. 
Lord, would you help us to get serious about getting and keeping our temples clean? And Lord, we need to get serious because you're serious about it. We belong to you. We want to make your son, Jesus, to look good in our daily lives. Pray for church family here at Walloon Lake. Help us, Lord, to shine real bright in this week ahead. It's in the mighty name of Jesus, the one who even carries a whip, we pray all these things.